Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. In recent days and weeks, Chicago has seen a fatal shooting near the Bean at Millennium Park, a mass shooting outside a fast food restaurant and CTA station on the near north side, and hard partying crowds of teenagers there and elsewhere downtown. It looks like the makings of a violent summer. But groups dedicated to rewriting that scenario gathered this past week to compare notes and to plan. We're going to let you listen in. Hello from City Hall. I'm political editor Craig Delamore, and this is At Issue. The event was called Violence Prevention 2022, and it was one of the largest gatherings ever of anti-violence groups in Chicago. They met at the Garfield Park Fieldhouse and filled the gymnasium there. The hatches opened up, literally. Two pastors named Marshall Hatch welcomed the officials and community workers. The Reverend Marshall Hatch Sr. talked about the history of the West Side community back to the time when Dr. Martin Luther King lived there to focus on poverty and housing. He talked of the riots following Dr. King's assassination and said the community has struggled ever since. And even when the schools were closed, 50 public schools, five of those 50 schools were in East and West Garfield Park within walking distance of where we are. We bore the brunt of significant disinvestment over and over again. But yet it's a resilient community. It's a young community. And even though we have a lot of challenges, We also have a lot of promise. Just a few blocks from here, we're working with our partners and with those who see the vision that we see for a West Garfield Park Wellness Center, the Sankofa Village Wellness Center, the closing of Aldi's right up the street, with the help of other partners again, seeing that grocery store return as a community grocer providing a catalyst on both sides of the Madison Street corridor, giving a vision for the people that we're not going to wait another 50 years for redevelopment and investment. And so, as we gather on this morning, we know it's more important not just to invest in buildings, but to invest in people. And those of us that have done this kind of work know the absolute gems and genius that we find standing on street corners all over this community. Gems and geniuses. 
And so we determined to invest in people, our greatest resource, and our young people, our greatest resource, who are not the problem, but they are the solution to the problem. And so let me be done. You're going to hear today people with figures and stats and all of that. That's not the preacher's job. The preacher's job is to provide vision. You know, you got to excuse me because we've been preaching in empty churches, the cameras, it get me a little excited. I see a lot of people and everything and a microphone. But we, in fact, have an opportunity to make investments in people and particularly our greatest investment, which is young people. And the vision of the kingdom of God is this, is as old as the gospel. When the interests of those in the margins are brought to the center of public policy, everybody flourishes. And so if we're going to have one Chicago, it has to begin in a place like West Garfield Park. This is where we have to pay our attention. If we're going to have one city, if we're going to have one city with one vision, one people with equal opportunity for all, it has to begin in a place like West Garfield Park. So welcome to West Garfield Park, where we got many, many assets, famous residents. Pastor Hatch's son, Pastor Marshall Hatch Jr., followed his father to the podium to talk about the work of his organization and give a bit of motivation. I am the executive director of the Ma'afa Redemption Project, which is a ministry of New Mount Pilgrim Church. Been in this neighborhood for almost 30 years, and we invest in brothers from the neighborhood ages 18 to 30. We just graduated another group, our fifth cohort, and as our capstone project, we decided to take them brothers on a Sankofa trip back to the south. So we drove from Chicago to Montgomery, and then to Selma, and then to Birmingham, and then to Memphis, and then back to Chicago. And of course, we saw a lot of the museums that are dedicated to uh, the civil rights struggle, the struggle for black liberation across time, decade after decade. And so we went to the Legacy Museum, the Equal Justice Initiative. We went to Tuskegee University. The brothers saw the vision that Booker T. Washington saw many years ago. And then we went to the 16th Street Baptist Church, where four little girls were killed in the Birmingham bombing in 1963. And those brothers learned a very valuable little known fact during that trip about that bombing. And that is, several weeks before the bombing, 4,000 young people got together and marched. This was March 2nd, 1963, and they called it D-Day, a decision day. They skipped school and marched and they started from the steps of the 16th Street Baptist Church. 4,000. And as we were doing a reflection with the guys before we came back to Chicago, one of them said, you know, if I had known this history when I was young, I probably would have made different decisions. And he came back to Chicago committed to really being a part of the healing process. 
that a lot of the younger folks need from this community. So he came back and he was inspired to do something different. And that's been my experience and I'm sure that's been all of your experience, many of those of you who are on the blocks every day, hour after hour, trying to encourage brothers to make different decisions. And that is an overwhelming majority of these guys want to do something different. We just need to open the door and allow them to walk through. And as my father said, we're not waiting on Superman. We're not waiting on a savior to come from another neighborhood to save us. This is something we can do ourselves. And this is something that we must do ourselves. Because in many cases, this generation is our last hope. And as my father mentioned, when it comes to Buffalo and all of these other incidents that are happening, happening across the country, we are at a critical juncture in the city and the country. And this generation, in many ways, is our last hope. And so who better to lead us to better days than these young brothers and sisters who have been most impacted by gun violence? So I'm encouraged. I am heartened to see so many of the public and private interests come together on this issue, but we need more and we will recruit more because better days are ahead. Thank you so much. God bless you. If there's a common theme among the various violence prevention groups, it's that they empower and in many cases employ people from violence-plagued communities to talk to the folks on the street corners, people who've been affected by violence, whether as victims or perpetrators or simply observers. The groups want young people to see alternatives for their own lives and encourage others to see them as well. It's fair to ask if such things can work. And Jack Jamarin with the group Chicago Cred was there to provide an answer. Um, I'm the figures guy, um, so get ready for the numbers. But before we get into the numbers, I do want to take a second um, to center ourselves on what these numbers mean, right? Center the humanity behind it. These numbers are lives. These numbers are people. Uh, these numbers are our joy, their pain. They're all of these things rolled into, these, into one, right? So when we look at these numbers, I'm, I don't want us to just think about statistics about reduction. I want us to think about all the work that you all put in every day to save lives and show that appreciation. And oftentimes as a data analyst, I have to be the bearer of bad news, but today I'm happy because I get to be the bearer of, of better news. Um, as you see on the screen, we have a lot of green numbers. Um, so citywide, we're down 15.5% year to date through May 13th. So can I get a round of applause for that? In all outreach coverage areas, from the north side to the west side to the south side, we're down 13.5% year to date. In Roseland, we've seen 10 less shootings, down 25% year to date. West Pullman, down 19.6% year to date. My west side is my North Lawndale folks down 56.9% year to date. In West Garfield Park, down 
Austin down 38.2%. And Englewood down 22% year to date. We'll have some more sobering numbers later, but another numbers guy in a way is Chris Patterson. He's an assistant secretary with Illinois' Department of Human Services. That means he helps oversee the state funds for violence prevention. A lot of this work that we're seeing today couldn't have been possible without the generosity and the support of our philanthropic partners across the city of Chicago. So definitely let's give a hand to all of our partners who... Over... Over the last seven or eight years directly, philanthropy has carried the torch for uh, the street outreach professionals, many of whom are in the room today. Recently, Governor Pritzker made an investment of $250 million towards this initiative. He believes, as you believe, that street outreach, case management, and victim advocacy is an answer added to all the other components and tools that we'll be adding to violence reduction strategies across the state. Today, Governor Prisker is signing a legislation restricting the sale and possession of unserialized firearms, also known as ghost guns. The, yep. the, work, the work doesn't stop. Uh, this administration is, is intent on making sure that the organizations in this room and beyond have the technical support, assistance, and funding. Uh, organizations that have been working tirelessly out of your own pockets with no assistance, that those days are over. Those days are past. Give a little context about who we're talking about. We're talking about the outreach professionals. Outreach professionals are the trained men and women across the city and the state of Illinois who make up case managers, victim advocates, and street outreach workers. They walk the streets encouraging and supporting those who are trapped in a cycle of violence to put the guns down and pick up hope. While fighting the epidemic of gun violence, outreach professionals contributed to a decline in shootings between the years of 2016 and 2019 that we are on our way to reclaiming. You're listening to WBBM News Radio's At Issue. I'm Craig Delamore, and this weekend we're letting you hear from people who have been working and will be working the streets of Chicago, trying to hold down the gun violence and uplift the lives of people most at risk from that violence. They gathered on the west side this past week at the Garfield Park Field House. Next, we're going to hear from George Matos. He's the new senior director for the groundbreaking group Ready Chicago. They give people touched by violence jobs, counseling, and whatever help they might need to better their lives. In my new role, I'll be focused on on-the-ground impact and results in Chicago, leading the new phase of READY after we've seen what works and also the opportunity to grow. So I'm very excited. Again, I'll say the leading the new phase of READY. So can you give me a round of applause on that one? All right, there we go. So READY is an innovative, evidence-based, data-informed response to gun violence. We combine what we know works, outreach, cognitive behavior inventions, paid transition employment, to help people create a viable path and opportunities for a different future. We do this work by working alongside our partners, 
Give a shout out real quick to Chicago Cred. My family at CP4P. Yeah. And also our community-based organizations. Uh, Center for New Horizons. Yeah. Institute for Nonviolence Chicago. North Lawndale Employment Network. And I see you, Ken, back there in the house. Reducing gun violence means healing, helping people, seeing a different path. A key element of READY is cognitive behavior interventions, which is tailored and culturally relevant to the men we work with and helps people slow down their thinking to respond differently to risky situations. Not only do we help people heal and reframe their thinking, but we also give them the chance to earn income, support themselves and their families, pursue skills, training, with real economic growth and opportunities. Most importantly, CBI is infused in every aspect of programming, including work, training experiences, to help people build lasting change. Throughout all of this, our data collection and evaluation has been rigorous. I've only been here for three days, but I can tell you, you know, going over a lot of that stuff has been rigorous. Allowing us to adapt, learn to what's working, translate these lessons to true impact for individuals and our communities. Since Ready launched in 2017, two-thirds of our total investment has gone back directly to communities that we serve. We have provided therapy and jobs to more than 1,300 Chicagoans most at risk of violence. Yep. Helping them change the way they think and start on a path to safety and sustainability. Slide four. We are learning that Ready is finding the right participants. The men we serve are 45 times more likely than average to be shot or killed, facing extremely high rates of trauma and violence. More than one-third have been shot at least once. 96% have been arrested. More than 60% have served time in prison. And more than 60% face housing instability. And many face active substance abuse disorders. Those numbers are staggering. Despite all of that, our participants pose strengths that often get overlooked. In the face of trauma and multitude of barriers to safety and employment, our participants remain resilient, ambitious, strong, family, and value-oriented. They stay engaged in programming over time and successful when given the opportunity and resources. We are seeing that Ready is helping people stay safe. While it doesn't reduce all violent crime, we have 85% confidence that men who participate in Ready experience 63% fewer arrests and 19% victimization 
from shootings and homicides. Thank you. So just wanted to share that. And again, thank you, everybody. I look forward to my new role and working with everyone and moving the work forward and making a, a safer Chicago. Thank you. Here's another common theme among the various violence prevention organizations. You don't expend this much energy and, frankly, this much money without constantly checking to see how well your methods are working. It's all about the data. Ready Chicago partners with the renowned University of Chicago Crime Lab for its research, and Crime Lab Executive Director Rosanna Ander was there to give a status report, though she started by looking back to that very violent year of 2016. We know that... There are all kinds of challenges like poverty, segregation, racism that are things that we need to stay focused on and work on. But in the midst of a crisis like what we experienced in 2016, we also need an immediate response that can try to have an impact. And as a society, we have relied pretty dominantly on one response, and that is the policing response. And we know what that's gotten us. It's gotten us one of the highest incarceration rates in the world, um, and also tremendous harms that come from that by relying only on that. Um, Fortunately, here in Chicago, we have some real leaders in the field of street outreach that are building uh, and forging some new approaches and new ways to respond to crises like the gun violence that our, our city faced. Um, Next slide. Um, I just want to put into perspective, though, how woefully we are underinvesting in that response. So this is a slide my colleague showed at uh, an event that we had last week, but I think it's worth showing again. Uh, The investment in criminal justice spending in what we think of as community violence interventions, we're starting to see that happen. Um, But even that $5 billion that the Biden administration has proposed is still just a proposal. It's not hitting the streets yet. Um, By contrast, we spend year after year $307 billion in the other responses, the sort of back end of the system, the, the police Uh, the courts and and the criminal justice system. So we've got a very, very long way to go if we want to see different outcomes in this country. Um, So just to repeat the the results that um, George talked about, it really is incredible. The the READY program, we wanted, you know, when this was being stood up, we wanted to see the needle move, especially on gun violence. All violence is important, but the gun violence, even though it's a very small share of our overall crime and violence problem, it does the vast majority of the harms come from gun violence. And what we're seeing is that the men who are offered ready, uh, we're seeing reductions in both the homicide and shooting arrests and victimizations. And um, as George said, we're not seeing it move the needle on on all types of violence. And that's an important thing to know as well. We want to continue to work with Heartland and their partners to iterate and really make continuous improvement um, uh, for for the men who deserve so much better than than what our society has provided. Um, So next slide. So just to summarize, we're seeing uh, just incredible and very encouraging impacts on the most serious types of violence. It's being driven, probably to no surprise uh, to anybody in this room, by the community referral pathway. There are a couple of different ways that people can get offered the READY program, and that sort of relationship and warm handoff uh, into the program seems to be the pathway that's really driving the impacts. Um, And we think that this type of intervention 
easily passes uh, a benefit cost test. So as we're thinking about ways to spend public dollars in particular, this really does, uh, is more than justified. We are getting so many more returns on that investment in terms of lives improved and communities uh, and individuals being made safer. Um, so next slide. Uh, I just want to end, uh, I hate to be Debbie Downer, but I do think this is an important point not to lose sight of. We're encouraged by the progress that programs like Ready, CP, 4P, and CRED are having. Um, we're encouraged that the numbers are starting to move in the right direction in Chicago right now. It was starting on an insanely high base. So I don't want us to rest on our laurels and think that uh, you know the dec declines that we're seeing go anywhere near far enough. And even despite the declines that we're seeing, we are, our city, if you are a black resident in Chicago, you are now still living through a time that is far more dangerous than the early 90s, which is when everybody talks about the, the peak of our um, homicide crisis in the early 90s. Because we're such a racially segregated city, black residents are less safe now than they were in 1992. That's not true for our white and Latinx residents. And so as we talk about equity, we can't lose sight of what the data is telling us about who is bearing the burden and where the resources are most needed. So what kind of person risks heartbreak and their lives to change the trajectory of other people's lives? Well, meet Roshanice White. She's a life coach and a former participant in Chicago CREDS programs. Her story was gripping. I want to first tell you who I am, who I was before I became who I am. At the age of one, I was faced with a hurtful trauma. My mom was murdered at the hands of my father. At the age of 12, I was molested by one of my first cousins. At the age of 16, I was put out of my childhood home and began to engage in the street life. At this point, I could feel myself becoming heartless and not so much wanting to commit suicide, but purposely putting myself in harm's way so that if something was to happen to me, it wouldn't fall on me. At the age of 21, I had my first child and married my late husband. Upon our union, my life took a dive. One day, a couple of the brothers approached my husband and asked him if he ever heard of Chicago Cred and if he wanted to become a part of it and help to mediate some of the game wars from his area. So of course, y'all know once he committed, I committed. Being a part of Chicago Craig has changed my life tremendously. Coming into the program, I was facing a lot of insecurities in my life. Chicago Craig helps to nurture my mind, build my confidence, and guide me towards greatness. I remember when many would be frightened to even approach me. <laughs> but because of Chicago Craig, I am now one of the first people they come to see. Even though my husband lost his life to gun violence, he was able to help many soldiers turn their life around first. And it has encouraged me to go harder as a life coach to save even more soldiers from the street life. Thank you, Chicago Cred, for saving me and allowing me to believe in myself. I probably don't need to tell you Roshanice White received a standing ovation. Now, for our final word, we turn to former U.S. Secretary of Education Arne Duncan, the founder of Chicago Cred, who hammered home the message and their mission. Pastor Hatch said this in the start. I just want to be clear about this. We say all the time, our young people, they're not the problem. They're the, they're the, they are the solution to the problem. 
And we have to keep investing in our young people. We have to keep believing in them. We have to keep supporting them. We have to keep mentoring them. And they are going to lead us to a safer Chicago. And then the final thing, just seeing the collective power here from street outreach to Northwestern's university's best and brightest helping us think through this work to funders, public and private, see everybody coming together and collaborating. This is a different spirit. And that's the only way we're going to get this work done. None of us can do this by ourselves. But together, what's possible is actually extraordinary. So it's been a dark two years. It's been a very, very difficult time here in Chicago and around the country. But this year is starting better. We have a long way to go. This current month hasn't been as good. But if we can keep working together, think about a 20, 25% reduction in violence this year, and then another 20, 25% reduction next year, and the year after that. If we can put four or five of those years together, Chicago will be at a radically, radically different place. So let's keep collaborating. Let's keep learning. Let's keep working with real urgency and real humility. Let's keep scaling this work. And if we can move from individual transformation to neighborhood violence suppression, Chicago's going to be in a much better place. Thank you all so much for coming out today. Thanks for the hard work. God bless. I'd like to thank the organizations that put on the summit. Chicago CRED, which means Create Real Economic Destiny. Communities Partnering for Peace, that's the CP4P you kept hearing about. And Ready Chicago, which is part of the Heartland Alliance. To our listeners, if you'd like a copy of this program or to hear it again, please visit our website, wbbmnewsradio.com. There's a link on the homepage, and you can also hear our podcasts on odyssey.com. We'll be back next week with another edition of At Issue, and I hope you'll be listening. Until then, I'm Craig Delamore, 105.9 WBBM. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.